Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Get a gun. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of Interrupt Your Co-Host Radio. <laughs> there you go. That's another outtake. My Skype cut out just as you said hello. <laughs> it just stopped. Hello and welcome to episode 142 of Slam Fire Radio for February 12th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Furlot. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew McClatchy. And I'm Adriel Michaud. All right. I don't welcome. Know what I'm doing here. <laughs> Are you lost? Do you smell burnt toast? I saw a Skype thing come in and I hit the green button. There you go. <laughs> welcome. And that's just how hard it is to get on Slamfire. Yeah. Just uh, download Skype and hit us up. We'll let you on. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Unless you're. Um, uh, Christopher Anderson, every time he calls during the show, we kind of just seem to not be able to answer. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't The buttons don't work. I don't that's, understand. That's what it is. Yeah. So. We should have Chris on again. It's been a while. Definitely should. So he can spend 20 minutes telling us about how he's not filthy or right. not filthy, dirty. Dirt McGurk. Sure. The only, only guy who's ever met him, apparently. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. So uh, let's move on and... <laughs> Things done, Matthew. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Opening ever. <laughs> Welcome to Slamfire Radio, home yeah. of awkward. <laughs> so, so you're you're about to ask me what I did with guns this week? Yeah, that thing. Is Go that ahead. what you're what? trying to do? Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? There's a party in my pants. There's a pants party and party. Yes, brick. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm not. I'm brick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what did I do with guns? Um, I didn't shoot any of them, but I'm I'm thinking about uh, like we just dis- I don't think we discussed it on the show last week, but I think uh, Trevor brought up the point that I should maybe sell the MMP9 since I'm not terribly happy with it. I'm not disappointed in it. It was exactly what I expected it to be. I I kind of thought maybe it might be you know something that I might potentially use in uh, in Ipsic or something, but I'm I'm sticking with the Glock for sure. But uh, seeing as I'm not going to keep it, Trevor suggested sell it and get one of those FN FNSs, the the, uh, the 4.2 inch barrel, which is uh, kind of the length that I like. So I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure. I want to shoot one first. I want to play with one first. So Trevor, I think you're planning on coming over for a visit. Got to figure that out. Yeah. Um, you'll see later on in the shoutouts that a lot of people have been taking my suggestion than buying FNs. Yeah. Yeah, you should not, you should get you know. the FN and uh, see if you can get a used one that doesn't come with any mags at all. Crickets. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> well, because it, it you wouldn't want the nine millimeter. Because you don't want them. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, okay, because I'm waiting for you the punchline, or I wasn't sure what was going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you need some forty mags. Those are going to be hard to hard to find. So I mean, if you want to if you want to run that platform, I'd I'd really look for some 40 mags and, and maybe buy those even before you buy the pistol. That's what Fred did. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's true. He had his he 40 days idea, before hey? he had his gun, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he, Fred located a, because, uh, Adriel, you weren't with us, unfortunately, for New Year's Eve, but Fred was there and, and Matthew was there, and he was saying, you know, guys, I only have one semi-automatic centerfire pistol. Can you believe that? Like, I need to get something else. So, of course, I was like, FN, FN. So, anyway, he finally, once, of course, the 40 mag thing came out, he finally decided he was going to get one. So, he got his mags before he got his gun. He sold the gun before he got the gun and then ordered the 4-inch. He had found a secondhand 5-inch stainless one. Before it arrived, I ordered the 4.2-inch. He's like, "Ah, 4.2, and it's black? I'm in. Sold it before it arrived, Paul Furlot. And ordered another one. So Paul's got one. Fred's got one. Uh, listener, I'm going to shout out later. Ordered two. Chris Kingston's got one. Now Matthew's going to get one. And I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, well, there's Jazz's buddy in Quebec who had the nine and tested. No, he had the 40. And after he filled it with nine millimeter mags, he ordered the nine mil. Cool. Mm. What do they go for right now? Like uh, in terms of the 4.2 and the five inch, um, where can, like where can you get them? And when, what are the prices on them right now? Okay, well, the answer is always the Calgary Shooting Center, so that was a silly question. <laughs> uh, the if you want the forty, I don't know why you would. They're going for three ninety nine, which makes no sense. Depending on, on you can find them for three, as low as three ninety nine. There was they were on sale before Christmas, and somebody just told me, "Hey, I bought the I bought the nine mil, and then when I saw the forty was three ninety nine, I said, "Hey, and I bought that too." He said, "I'll probably keep the mags out of it and sell it." Um, anyway. Um, I'm not sure what the five inch stainless is going for new. I think it went up in price. I'm looking, I'm looking right now. There's there's one for a long slide for six fifteen. Six fifteen six one five. Yes. And the six one five. So they've dropped and I paid six fifty and it's now six fifteen. Okay. I don't know if that's the stainless or the or just the, the blued one though. I well, I'm not sure. But my my blued one, it's not really bluing, but anyway, the four point two inch I just bought was six eighty five. And what you have to remember is, uh, 685 is good anyway, especially if you look at a Glock. Mm-hmm. Glocks are online right now between 850 and 899, and they still only come with two mags. The FN FNS comes with three mags. That nobody so, wants. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, it looks like the short slide is 685, the long slide is 615, so maybe that long slide is, uh, uh, comes with fewer mags or. No, it doesn't. It comes with three mags. That was the first one that I got. Where I don't do you know why. This is a question that's coming up a lot, and I keep bringing up Dave Copping because Dave Copping used to be the distributor for LHS. LHS kind of just fell apart. They weren't they weren't filling orders. Luke um, tried to be an LHS uh, dealer, and then Dave was hooked up with another company that was basically making the same style Kydex holster, almost like a clone. Um, and he got me my Kydex holster for my SIG P320, and he got me my Kydex holster for the FN. But I'm not sure if he's still with them, and I don't remember the name of the company. So I'm going to reach out to Dave. Probably when you guys start talking, I'll Facebook him and ask him what the story is if he's still connected to that holster company. And so uh, I should sell holster. my. I have a I have an MMP9 with an Apex Apex trigger on it, so it's got a good trigger. That the complaint that uh, Matthew had is is valid. That's like the, saying the, the my factory trigger sucks. That's like saying I put nice wheels on my Sonic. It's still a Sonic. <laughs> the MMP9 is not that bad of a gun. <laughs> it really is only the trigger that... <laughs> I know. And John's got the core, and it's amazing. Yeah. One of the most accurate handguns I ever fired. 
So yes, but you were saying, uh, Adriel, you should sell your MMP and get an. I FN should sell well. my MMP uh, with the Apex trigger and get an FN FNS long slide from the Calgary Shooting Center. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. I think I could sell my my MMP for more than this FN FNS. That's correct. If you sold it as a range kit, you would sell it used for more than you would pay for the superior FN. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I will do this. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So, Matthew, what else did you do? Uh, <laughs> hey, look, this is great. I love it when the uh, the conversation goes off on its own like that. It's uh, That's what it makes interesting show. Yeah. Um, what we do. I uh, talk to a co-worker about guns and then talk to a flying buddy about guns. So I come to work uh, yesterday or the day before, and, and one of my, my co-workers, he calls me aside, and all hush-hush, he's like, I got a question for you. I'm like, oh, Okay. Looking around, like, what's going on? He's like, what's a carbine? I'm like, what's a carbine? You know, right out loud, because I don't care if we talk about guns. He he was just, you know, maybe a little bit politically correct or wasn't sure about talking about guns openly at school or whatever. Thought maybe it was a faux pas, but not at the school I work at. It's no problem. Everybody knows I shoot guns, and we talk about guns all the time. So I'm right out loud now. What's a carbine? Oh, that's just a short rifle. Short-barreled rifle. (laughs) So he... He had heard on the radio that uh, the RCMP were all getting their patrol carbines. And he says, so, so so what's a patrol carbine? Like, what's a carbine compared to, like, a regular rifle? I said, oh, well, the patrol... Politically correct term. Yeah. I said, well, a patrol carbine, what the RCMP are using, is the sort of a... a, a it's an, it's an M16, for lack of a better term that I, I said. It's an M16, the same gun that the military uses, but no full auto. It's just a semi-automatic rifle, just one one shot every time you press a trigger. He goes, oh, I said, you know what's funny? I've got one. <gasps> what? Yeah. And do what they call it in the media? An assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a nice discussion about how the media calls my gun an assault rifle and the RCMP's rifles, they're a patrol carbine, even though they're the exact same gun. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to talk to him about that. And then uh, a flying buddy of mine asked me uh, if I could help find him a new stock for his... Uh, his Winchester 88. So it uh, he he wasn't sure what it was at first. He didn't know what kind of gun it was. He knew it was a 308 and that it was a late uh, a lever action. I wasn't sure what it was either. I said maybe it's a Browning because I know Browning because he said it's magazine fed. It's not tube fed. It's magazine fed. I'm like okay, maybe a Browning, but I don't think Winchester made one. But apparently they did. It's an older model. So a magazine fed lever action. Yeah, 308. Or, yeah, 308. Interesting. So, and what kind of magazine? Is it a double-stack mag or a single-stack mag? I, or I haven't one? seen it. He just okay. told me about it and told me the name. It's a Winchester 88. So, um, anyway, his wife to... was his wife was out moose hunting with him, and she dropped his rifle and cracked the stock. So. <laughs> hmm. I Something like that. My first place is always Great Western Gun Parts. I ended up at uh, Boyd's, actually. Uh, Google brought up Boyd's very first uh, hit, and so I uh, I looked it up, and they carried that stock. So I just sent him a link and told him that he'll need a gunsmith as well to to put it on because it comes unfinished. So uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was what I did talking to him about that. So hopefully he can get that all squared away and and get his because it, it's family heirloom. So he wants it all pretty again and not stop. He 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 just glued it, he glued it back together. <laughs> hey. Hey, that works. Hey, a little bit yep. of wood glue—you can even make it look nice. But that's it. Well, I yeah, yeah, I can imagine. 
So anyway, that's pretty much all I did. Just some chatting and some thinking and stuff. So uh, I guess we'll we'll go on to Trevor and see what he did. Um, another 3D archery shoot. Seems like I'm going to one every weekend. I'm going so, to another one on Sunday. Never mind. Carry on. What? No, no. This would just prolong the archery discussion. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I just want to say that um, the shoot on Sunday had 70 participants. Wow. That's a yeah, lot. That is a lot. I mean, back in the day, like we had a provincials one time that was a two-day event. And over two days, we had over 100 people. But it was a target shoot on one day and a 3D shoot on the other day. And when you combine both groups, you had over 100 people. But here we had... In the small town of Bathurst, 70 people show up to shoot a, you know, a basic, very short 27-yard maximum shot indoor 3D tournament. Um, since I've been gone from archery, uh, 3D in this province has just completely taken off. There used to be a fair divide between 3D archery and target archery, um, and target archery was starting to get a little bit more popular. But man, that trend has, has the pendulum is back to the 3D side again. When I first got into archery, this was a hunting province. This was a 3D province. And the only bows you saw were camo bows. There was no big fancy target bows or stabilizers or Olympic bows or anything like that. And we're, we're headed back that way, which as the Canada Games coach has me a little bit concerned because, uh, target archery and 3D archery are two different games. And I'm going to have to be trying to, recruit you know a couple of new archers over time to shoot target archery at a uh, very high level and uh, just not sure we're going to find these people because a lot of these people are, are shooting more of a compact style hunting bow which isn't really suited to shooting real high scores in target archery so anyway it's good to see that archery has grown that's for sure and uh I had a lot of fun, made a bad mathematical error on my scorecard, got really excited, and I got really disappointed. <laughs> I shot, uh, out of a 220, I shot a 206 in the morning with, unfortunately, two eights. Like, the scoring zones go 11, 10, 8, and I've shot clean before where I've just shot 10s and 11s, uh, but I shot two eights. I was like, ah. Oh. And then the afternoon, the animal that I had an eight on, I corrected the error because it was a, a mountain lion and it was quartering towards me and I didn't get the angle right and ended up shooting just outside the 10 into the 8. So I corrected it on the second half because you shoot the same animals twice and got a got a 10 or 11 on it, whatever. But then uh, there was a black bear standing up 27 yards away and the, the scoring zone is right in the center of the bear's chest. And in the morning, I scored an 11 on it. And then for some reason... and. It, Target number 10 was a moose at 27 yards. So you didn't even change your sight. You shot number 10, and then you went to the other end of the gymnasium, and you shot number 1, which was a bear, also at 27 yards, and uh, ended up scoring an 8, and everybody else in my group scored a 5. We all went high for some reason. I don't know why. So in the end, I shot four eights. So it was a really rough day, and I ended up with a, a score of 411 out of a possible 440. So... And again, that was only good for fifth place. So it's kind of a, I know I'm just getting back into it, but I'm used to doing better than fourth and fifth. I've only finished in top three once so far. And it's kind of, eh. So anyway, um, then Wednesday night is practice at my local club uh, where I shoot my target bow. And uh, last week I shot a 294 and a 296. And then last night I shot a 298. So I had I made a little adjustment to uh, to the peep which got my head in a better position, and then the bow just aimed better and everything worked better. And um, So I'm pretty happy with that 298 out of a 300. 
So hopefully it's right around the corner where I start shooting 300s. Even if I shoot 298 on a fairly regular, if 298 could be my average with a high X count, I'd be I'd be more than happy. So yeah, 298's not bad, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's it is just not bad. It's not. It's, it's crazy that a perfect score is like okay. Once you can shoot a perfect score, now we're okay. Now now you now you're just okay. Now we can move on. <laughs> it's all about the X count. You shoot, yeah, you shoot three hundreds. Three hundreds are good. Why don't they just make the ten and nine and the X a ten, and then you'd be all set? Why don't they make the X eleven and the ten ten and Ooh, the nine nine? The X eleven. It they, goes up to eleven. Well, the, the the target does go up to eleven, and yeah. there's been so much back and forth over the years in compound target archery where the the X is worth ten points, the ten is worth. Uh, 10 points, but then if you're tied, you count the X's. So let's say you shoot a 300 and I shoot a 300. You've got 14 X's and I got 13 X's. You win. Yeah, so I might as well just count it as an 11 because it would have been the exact same score. You won by one. Exactly. And then it was like, okay, we're going to score on the score card. I want you to write X10-9 and then at the end, count up all your 10s and then subtract one point for all of your 10s. Are you kidding me? Why are we even doing this? Why aren't we? And then it was the X ring was there. The 10 ring was gone, and this is what it is now. The X ring is there, the 10 ring is gone, and then every, and then there's this huge 9 area. Now, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, there's an archery shop, Lancaster, and they put on one of the premier indoor ar- archery shoots every year. Um, big money shoot, all the pros go, and that's the way they do it. 11, 10, 9, it's the most logical thing archery Makes sense ever to seen. me. Yeah. You know yeah. what, what would probably make more sense is if you shot the targets with guns. <laughs> and if if we brought this back to guns, thank you, Adriel. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. So my FN came in. That's I, cool. Uh, I unfortunately haven't got a chance to get out and shoot it yet, but it is very cool, and the trigger is actually better than my first FN. Um, well, that's the one thing that I'm sort of hung up on with the FN because I do remember the trigger on your longer one, and I don't remember liking it very much. It was it was um, sticky. Heavy. The uh, the one of the downsides to the FN trigger is the trigger return spring is kind of weak. It doesn't have it has a much better reset than an MMP, but it doesn't really launch your finger out there like a Glock or some other striker fire guns do. So I do find that their trigger reset is weak. However, it's weak because when the gun is new. There's some friction there between the plastic of the trigger and the plastic of the frame. Um, and the reset on my original FN is much better than the reset on my new FN, and that's because the trigger's broken in. Now, the new FN, the 4.2, has a lighter trigger out of the box than the 5-inch FN did. So they've done something to improve them as we as time has gone on here since these guns have been on the market. Um, it's. I'd say that the trigger on my 4.2 is probably a full pound lighter than on my 5 inch, but the uh, there's zero over travel. The break is there's no creep and no over travel, and the reset is nice and short. The only other complaint, and I don't, it's not a complaint for me. I mean, I've shot two and a half pound trigger in my uh, STI standard gun, and this trigger is uh, every bit of six maybe even six and a half pounds but it's a good six and a half pounds and i know how to pull a trigger so it doesn't bother me and i don't think it'll bother you matthew it's a little heavier than your glock but it's not a bad trigger and if you know how to pull a trigger whoopie do 
I don't know how to pull a trigger. You, you jerk it quickly to the rear, right, while having a really loose grip, and you flinch a lot? And, and well, blink your eyes. And close your eyes and dip the muzzle. And you have to thrust the gun forward to give the bullet more velocity. I keep telling you it's your hips that you thrust. Oh, you thrust your hips. Yes. Right. Yes. That is why we do not allow video on the range anymore. <laughs> of our classes, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we got to no. demonstrate that at our class, of course. No. No <laughs> thrusting of hips in St. Paul. <laughs> and so Trevor, the, will uh, you demonstrate the proper shooting procedure, please? <laughs> Trevor starts gyrating. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Matthew, the um, the concern is um, legitimate about the uh, trigger return spring and the reset, but it does get better when the trigger breaks in. Now, I've taken my five inch part and I've polished every trigger component in the gun that there is uh, twice. Actually, I polished it initially, put a thousand rounds to it, polished a couple of more things, polished something a little bit more, um, and this new gun, I don't need, I do not even feel the need to polish anything whatsoever. And the only thing that is going to get better will be the reset. You're going to polish the polymer, right, though, to make it glow? Well, make it sparkle? You, you could maybe consider... Um, grip tape? No, oh. but let's say you took some fine grit sandpaper to where the trigger rubs on the polymer frame. Mm-hmm. You might you might improve the reset that way because there's some friction there. It's just plastic yeah. on plastic, but as yeah. it wears in, it goes away, and then the reset feels better. Right. So it just so, shoot it a lot. Exactly right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Trigicon is making night sights for these now. So as this is a well, that yeah, that's a definite upgrade. I yeah, yeah. Very rarely do I like the factory sights on any gun. They are good. They're steel. They're three dot. Of course, I blacked out the back. Yep. Uh, I don't like that it's a ramped rear sight. No, I don't. Like, oh, so you can't use your belt or something to rack the slide? Correct. Uh, yeah. No, definitely don't like that. Cocking serrations, front and back, steel sights, ambidextrous, slide lock, ambidextrous, magazine release. The uh, base pads are kind is of... Is the trigger ambidextrous? It is not. You have oh, to shoot it. You have to buy your... a left-handed trigger for this gun. That's right, yeah. <laughs> the gun is... Um, the It's the compact. It's not subcompact. It's compact. It, it's a compact upper with a full-size lower, if that makes any sense. The, the, so it's a full-size grip with a short barrel. You got it. It's Glock 19 size with Glock 17 grip. Right. So it, uh, yeah. Cool. Very, yeah, very happy with it. Other than that, I've been um, doing 223 reloading um, and brass prep. And I so regret not buying a power trimmer last year. Um, I said, oh, I'll get it next year. And the dollar tanked. They were $350 last year and they're $500 this year. Ouch. It's just the trimming. Like when it comes to resizing, you know, if you're only going to do 100 pieces, whatever, you lube it, whether you lube it one at a time or you put some spray lube, you put it in a cookie sheet and you spray it and then, you know, you go to your single stage press and you reload it, you resize it one at a time. Well, I'm now resizing uh, large volumes of 223 brass by using my Dillon. I um, spray the case. Oh, here we go again. You're going to give us the whole... All right. First of all... I'm just kidding. Carry on. <laughs> so you, I, I lube the cases, throw them in the case feeder... And then just run them through the resizing die. Nothing else. And oh, they're, whew, they're that was a short resized. one. Good. Yeah, they're, they're quickly <laughs> resized. But the problem then is the trimming. Yeah. I've got two methods. I've got the uh, little Lee one that goes in the chuck of a drill that oh, I actually put no in my, I know, I put that in my drill press, believe it or not. Yeah, it, that's what I do. But I'm only okay. doing like 20 at a time, though, so. 
Yeah, I'm so tr- Trevor, have you, have you looked at the world's finest trimmer for two two three? Because it's not three hundred dollars; it's like fifty or sixty, and you can do high volumes with that thing. That's what I'm looking at for mine. I haven't got it yet because I'm still I, I've still got um, uh, steel case two two three that I'm still burning through. But once I'm done all that, I am going to that world's finest trimmer and I'm trimming up a whole ton of two two three brass. Okay. No, I will look into it after the show. Um, how, what's the story? Where do you put it? You put it on a, how does uh, it work? So, so the, the story is it, um, it indexes off the shoulder. Um, so it'll trim without getting chucked up. Like the thing with the Lee system is that you chuck up brass, you put, you insert and, and the actual trimming parts fast. It's the chucking up and taking out that, that right. is such a pain in the butt. Yep. With this one, there, there's no such thing. So it's just, it's easier from that point. So it's a standalone one. unit. You don't put it on your press or anything. You just put it on your drill. I think you put it on your drill. It's, um, oh, okay. uh, what's his name? Graham from, uh, Amputee Shooter, uh, runs those and he loves his. And they're not that expensive. They're not $300 and they're fast. I see one here hooked to an old, uh, washing machine motor. <laughs> or, yeah. And I see one in the chuck of a drill. So it looks like it goes in the chuck of the drill. And instead of the um, case head being held by something, you hold the case and you insert it into the trimmer, which is into the drill. So the trimmer is into the drill, not the brass. Yeah. Interesting. And it would be nice if it works like the Dillon Power Trimmer. The Dillon Power Trimmer apparently uh, does such a good job that there's no no need to chamfer or deburr afterwards. So I've got a, uh, a handheld trimmer. Like the one that mounts to your to your reloading bench, and same thing. One of the slowest parts is not cranking the handle; it's putting the brass in and out of the shell holder. So, pain yeah, anything to reduce handling of the, of the brass to uh, to a minimum, so that you're you're doing the operation and then on to the next one. Yeah, um, and now that I have a semi-automatic 308 and a semi-automatic 30-06, the thought of processing semi-automatic brass for three rifles makes me want to just oh god vomit uh <laughs> luke Giroux was at green diamond in moncton today and i almost had him pick up a caliber conversion kit for my dylan for 308 or 30-06 just simply so that i could resize the brass uh, quickly same thing throw it into the case feeder and just crank it out you know it'll it'll go you take all the other dies out of your tool head except for your resizing die and just start cranking on the handle, and you can quickly resize a lot of brass that way. So now if I can find a way to quickly trim it. I mean, I like what, what Brian has going on. If I understand correctly, he's got a tool head specifically for resizing 223 with the power trimmer. So the first die is a lube die. Now, the part I'm not 100% sure on is either the next station is a resizing die, and the station after that is the power trimmer, or, and if you guys know, jump in, the power trimmer may resize and trim at the same time. But that's the part I'm not sure of. Even if it doesn't, you go lube die, resizer, power trimmer, and you're done. So, but I, um, the resizing there, the reloading that I did do, I have actually put my X die in my Dillon tool head. So all the brass that was resized and trimmed and then the X die adjusted to that length is now going through my Dillon just like pistol die. The only difference the only, or just like pistol reloading, the only additional step is that I lube the cases. So all that recovered brass, it, I mean, the first 1,000 rounds of 223 I did, I did as quickly as uh, reloading 9 or 40. 
but boy, you do go through a lot of powder. It takes about four How much, pounds. Uh, what, what kind of shooting are you doing with your, your AR? Because like Brian, Brian's doing long range stuff. And so he needs the precision, um, uh, with, with service rifle, you, you need to be able to punch, you know, small groups. Um, are, are you doing close in stuff, far out? What, like, like how far are you shooting? Um, I would say, you know, definitely close in stuff. Um, I've never gone past a hundred in a three gun match yet. So the only time I run my, I run my competition air in three gun matches around here, sometimes only once a year. Other than that, we've been taking classes with Daniel Shaw for two years now. So there's 500 rounds per class, just about. And then any other time I just have time to go, you know, make sweet, sweet love to my AR on the range. So why don't you just shoot uh, Tula or another steel case or Wolf or um, maybe even cheap um, cheap brass case can be like 50 cents. Because when, when I look at the, the things I have to do to a brass case and I, and I compare that to a steel case round, which is 37 cents assembled, I, I don't want to do any of it. I think I think upfront costs. What I do is I acquire the components here and there as the year goes on. Right. So I don't feel the sting of dropping three or four hundred bucks all at once, either out of my account or on my credit card. So oh look, H three two five. I'll grab that. Oh, there's you know, and this time I ended up somebody I forget how it happened, but I ended up with two thousand Campro fifty five gram projectiles. I was only supposed to get a thousand and then I got another thousand for somebody else and they didn't want them, so I took them or something like that. So I right now I have the components. So that's what's happening. I mean, I bought cases in Narinko in the past and I bought Tula in the past, but uh, I've also loaded probably five thousand of my own uh, over the last couple of years. So I think that's probably the the, the number one reason, Adriel, is if I buy a pound of powder here and a thousand primers there, it just doesn't uh, it doesn't sting as much as dropping four hundred dollars on a thousand rounds. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you are looking at four or five hundred bucks just to get a crate and, and plus shipping, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Unless, of course, you go to Canada Ammo, then it's free shipping. So, so yeah, that's it for me. Everybody needs to buy an FN. Adriel, what did you do? Uh, okay, I'll try to keep mine fast because I, I think I talked on, on top of your guys' updates a whole, the whole time. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. Uh, and the, One of the best things that's been said about our show recently came from Melissa over at the Armed Couples podcast. She said, the new guy is doing pretty good, but God help us, he talks as much as Trevor. <laughs> that it is a podcast after all if we don't talk it's going to be pretty boring yeah, it's kind of, or very short yeah but then you, I mean, we had before Matthew who talked just the right amount Owen who hardly talked and me who talked too much now you've got Matthew who talks just the right amount Adriel and Trevor who potentially talk too much <laughs> okay well I was going to keep this one short anyways now I'm going to keep it really short um, what, what did I do okay so over the weekend uh, me and a couple of buddies went and shot uh, three boxes of clays um and i was using the skeets 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 yeah three traps. three boxes traps traps yes. and uh <laughs> from a trap and uh <laughs> i was shooting the stoger 3500 and uh, it did pretty good i, I think uh, i had a couple of light target loads you're supposed to use ounce and an eighth i shot some ounce stuff it worked most of the time and some of the time it wouldn't um but with the ounce and an eighth target load uh, it was it was fine and uh i i, I like it there's one thing that bugs me about it the barrel, it's it's a ramped sight plane on the barrel, so it's got like that ventilated rib deal, um, and it's a little bit higher than the receiver. So when you're looking down, you've got the receiver at a lower uh, bit, and then you've got the barrel at a, a little bit of a higher step. 
Mm-hmm. And I just wish it was all one plane. <laughs> I just yeah. wish I could sight down it and it was just a straight line and uh, I put the clay at the end and I pull the trigger and it and it, it breaks it. But I, um, I, I, Sorry, I, I saw one of those. Uh, it was a Mossberg 500 set up for trap. Um, I was over at a buddy's place here who is uh, um, Ronnie who passed away last year in a motorcycle accident. Harold has his guns and he's selling them on behalf of the family. So he's had a couple of us go over to kind of give him some ideas of what he should ask for certain things. And there was this really unusual Mossberg 500. So I got Jason Philp involved to find out what it was worth. And the barrel and the rail on this gun, he said that in Jason's opinion, the rail was worth more than the whole shotgun. So you've got this Mossberg 500 receiver with a stock that has a real high comb because the barrel has this ridiculously high trap rail. And I don't know why the trap rails are so high, but it's like you said, it's it's two levels. Yeah, I just wish it was one. But what, what's the purpose of that? Why are they why are they ramped like that? You know, I, I'm not quite right, really sure why uh, the ramp like it, that. It just I think it has something to do with the the way the clay is rising as it comes out, and so the, with the rail up higher, it's easier to to put the bead on it or something. Somebody did explain it to me once. I probably messed it up, but it has to do with it has to do with making it easier to shoot the clay. Hmm. I yeah, think. I just like. I, I well, just then like, I need a really seriously one. ramped rail on my Versamax. <laughs> <laughs> like four stories. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we 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 went and busted a bunch of clays. Now, the one thing I will say about that shotgun, uh, it's got it's it's chambered for three and a half inch shells. Putting two and three quarter in there, very easy. I I, I ran um, uh, speed loaders like shotgun uh, carriers on on my belt. And uh, I could quad load that thing, no problem. It's a huge cavernous uh, opening for uh, for throwing shells down in there, and, and it was really uh, really easy to load up. Um, I also shot that uh, uh, CZ nine five eight Hunter. Uh, that's just like the tactical version, except it doesn't have sights on it. It's just a, a straight barrel. I kind of prefer that, anyways. I mean, if you're going to get a rifle that has a, a Picatinny rail on top, I'd rather run a red dot or a scope or whatever. Uh, than just use the factory iron sights on it. So, um, yeah, it was, was kind of cool. I mean, I, I've shot the uh, VZ58s before in the past, so it was more of the same, And uh, except it was a lot easier to mount an optic on. And uh, running a scope on it, it is surprisingly accurate. I was, I was shooting some, uh, just some ball ammo, um, and uh, it was uh, right in the 2 to 3 inch uh, range. And... Uh, I think that's pretty good, I guess, for a mil cert. Um, and then the other yeah. piece of news is is that I'm probably buying an FN FNS uh, long slide because if they're six hundred, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can get at least that for my MMP, and uh, you know our our three gun matches that we do locally here are there. There's no like ten round limit on pistols, so I can run whatever. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run those forty uh, mags and uh, and an FN FNS long slide. And then please make sure you take a video. And post it to the Slam Fire Facebook page and watch certain members' heads explode. <laughs> you guys missed all that, eh? I thought you guys deleted it, but apparently the person deleted his own comments after Jay Hines and Chris Bates. Well, if he deleted them, we could probably, maybe he feels apologetic about it, so we probably don't need to rub it in. I, I, I'm not rubbing anything in. I'm just saying things got a little hairy. Oh, I see. I'm not saying his comments were wrong. I don't know. I didn't read them. Uh, yeah, I didn't see them either. It was all over by the time I got there. If I had read them, I would probably say they were wrong, but 
what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah, so I mean I yeah, I think I'm gonna go gonna go that way. Now it's just a matter of getting a holster and uh I think I have like, you, any old uh double uh double stack magazine pouch is gonna work for that one as well, as long as it's got some adjustment for it, right? Yeah, like I'm using the um the ghost ones. And mm-hmm. of course the ghost ones work off of basically a leaf spring. Uh, there's a couple of set screws to take up some tension and one leaf spring or a leaf spring on the side and leaf spring on the back. And they'll take just about any double stack mag from a nine mil double stack to a 40. Oh, I don't know if mine will be that, uh, that, uh, uh, compatible. Matthew, do you, do you have, uh, do you have an FNFNS at your place? I do not. Oh. Like the SIG mags, the Ruger mags, the MMP mags. Mm-hmm. And the FM mags, they're all the same. So whatever your yeah, your, yeah, we're good then. your MMP mag is fitting into, your your um, FNN mag will. That's all I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty standard except for the Glock. The Glock ends up requiring a, a bit of a different mag pouch. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I'm just thinking about what uh, what I need to get for accessories and that kind of thing. Unfortunately, I think the holster is going to be the challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd even like to replace the one that I have. It's been slapped together pretty quickly. Does Blade Tech make a holster for that pistol? They must. May have to start looking on Amazon and then get something brought in from the states. So, all right, yeah, all right, cool. Anything else? No, I think that's what I'm going to be doing tonight is looking for a mag uh, uh, holster for that thing. All right, and I will uh, I will check with David Copping as well and see if he still has access to them. Cool, thanks. So, all right, uh, time for some upcoming events. We'll go through them really quick because they're the same ones mostly all the time. The uh, Steel Challenge. Uh, for Ronnie DeGroote will be on June 4th uh, at the Rescue Gun Club. The 6th Annual Charity Shoot in support of Soldier On, that's going to take place on the 25th of June in Kingston, Ontario at the Brockville District Fishing Game Club. All kinds of stuff happening. There's an Ipsic match. There's a level 3 Ipsic match called Summer Fun, and they, the match director has been gracious enough to allow um, early registration for a podcaster charity shoot squad. So if you're a podcaster or if you're attending the charity shoot or if you're an Ipsic Ontario member who's attending the charity shoot and wants to make sure you get a spot in summer fun, you can register early for the match. Just tell them you want to be in the podcaster squad. It's 150 bucks. Um, I won't be doing it. I don't know if, uh, Matthew, you're interested in shooting a level three when you're in Ontario on the Sunday. but uh, Yeah, I won't be able to. Yeah, I, I, I won't do it because, like, Thomas doesn't have a black badge. Kelly doesn't have a black badge. Stacy doesn't have a black badge. None of the people that we're going to go hang out with really, not a, a lot of them, not a, I guess not very many of them do. So, I mean, unless I could shoot with that core group, I'm not going to. I'm not traveling to Ontario for a. For a level three Ipsic match, I'm going to do the Saturday thing and then and then the friends and stuff. But it is really cool that the match director has decided to take pre-registration in conjunction with the charity shoot, especially for a level three and especially in Ontario where matches literally sell out in seconds. So if you're an Ipsic fan and you're going to be in and around the charity shoot, you might want to look into that. Uh, all kinds of new sponsors have come on board as well. So as I predicted, it is shaping up to be probably the biggest and best charity shoot that we've had. Go over to New Shooter Canada and check out the details there on their page as well as the event's Facebook page. The next event we want to tell you about is the Got Your Six, uh, a Wounded Warrior charity shoot being held at the... Adriel, you're blocking the screen. Being held at the... Edson Fishing Game, One Mile Range in Alberta, July 16th, 17th. Go to gutyoursixshoot.com for more information. And thanks to Ryan Hall for sending that in. 
Yeah, I was um, grabbing the URL so I could send it to my buddy so I can get him, make sure he goes out to that one, too. Okay. That's good. I'm <laughs> glad you did that just then. Right at that time. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was ideal. Yeah, you couldn't have timed that better. Um, and news. Now, we've been... T- Stop it! <laughs> we've, uh, we've had several questions amongst ourselves and from listeners about what does C42 really mean for ATTs within our province and... And do we need that little extra piece of paper that has conditions listed on it? Blah, 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 blah. Do I have to apply for a new light? Anyway, there's been all kinds of speculation. Okay. Now, um, one thing that didn't occur to me was, well, I, I was saying that I'll keep my ATT until they send me a new one. Well, they're not sending out new ones. I've renewed my gun club membership for 2016. And every year when I would do that, my gun club would notify the CFO these are the people in our club that have restricted licenses. Please send them the ATTs, and it would happen automatically, and they get my ATT. Well, my new ATT is not coming, and my new license isn't coming, and no little piece of paper that says the standard conditions apply is coming. So um, there was a gun club. I, I'm going to read an email exchange between a gun club here in New Brunswick and the New Brunswick CFO's office so that the listeners can hear the point of view of the uh, gun club or the CFO's office and how it's being treated, at least here in New Brunswick. So this is the email to the CFO's office. It says, hello, in the past, a person with a restricted permit and a valid club membership for the year was sent a paper ATT to transport from home to a certified range in the province. I just got a call from a restricted member who renewed his 2016 club membership on December 9th, 2015, and has not received his 2016 ATT yet. Have there been any changes to shooting club members with restricted permits regarding ATT certificates? I hope to hear from you soon. The uh, CFO's office wrote back, Hello, paper ATT for the range are no longer required, as you can see from the information I have posted below. So they actually included a couple of quotes. Uh, I'm not going to read it all, but I'll sum it up here a little bit. Bill C-42 has eliminated the requirement for most ATTs, ATTs for transportation of restricted firearms and or prohibited 12.6 handguns for the following purposes are now considered conditions of a license. Okay, so the CFO was saying these things are now a condition of your license, even though you don't have the piece of paper that says that they are. Transportation of restricted or prohibited firearms um, possessed for the purpose of target practice to and from shooting clubs and ranges approved under Section 29 of the Firearms Act. Transportation restricted firearms are prohibited to any uh, place a peace officer, firearms officer, or chief firearms officer is located for verification, registration, or disposal in accordance with the Firearms Act or Part 3 of the Criminal Code. Transportation restricted firearms or prohibited firearms to and from a business that holds a license authorizing it to repair or praise prohibited or restricted firearms. Um, so, gun. and it goes on. Yeah, it just um, lists all of the yeah. So there, are all the things that were listed in C forty two are are now there, and um, they're just saying have at her. Yeah, now, I I had the same same sort of interaction with them. I sent them an email uh, at the beginning of the new year because I I do my own. My gun club doesn't do it for all the members, so. I sent uh, I sent them an email saying, "Hey, um, I know the rules have changed. Here is my valid membership for 2016 for my gun club. Uh, what do I need for an ATT?" Um, and they said, "Well, let me check your license, and I'll see if you have those conditions attached to it already." 
okay. So I, I sent them my PIL number, which I'm sure they could have looked up themselves, but whatever. I sent that. And they said, yeah, no, you're good to go. I said, uh, excuse me, what do you mean? They, they, I didn't say that, but I, yeah, I emailed back and said, okay, I'm confused. What do I don't have? There should be a piece of paper, right, attached to my license saying that non-standard conditions apply. They said, well, if you, if that makes you more comfortable, you can call the firearms office, uh, the the Canadian Firearms Center, and they will send one to you. But they didn't say this, but it, it was implied. But you don't need it. It's like if if you feel more comfortable doing that, go ahead and get it. But you really don't need it. Just go you're done so apparently it's attached to our license and if we get stopped and they say where's your att we go here's my license look it up i guess i wonder if if the you know the the people in cfo office are are actually really happy about this change uh because they have to do less uh menial paperwork right i would think so like our our interpretation of this has been hey you need this extra piece of paper that says extra conditions and, and what those conditions are but I wonder if the CFO office is like, no, we're 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 getting on this. We don't want to do any more of these paper things. No more of this. You guys are good. Just leave us alone and and Especially, you know, talk to us about important things. Yeah, like it was an automatic thing that that was part of their day from December until February when everybody was renewed, you know, and then randomly throughout the year when somebody renewed or, or joined new. Yeah. But now, I mean, that that's gone. How many of those did each CFO's office have to send out? Every yeah, now they year? can they can focus on on what? Yeah, what is it they do? If it's public safety, <laughs> they keep it public safe. <laughs> no, you know they do. Um, they they're the ones that conduct the interviews for the licenses. They're the ones that issue the restricted licenses. I mean, there's a whole pile of other stuff that ah, that's true. I do suppose that's legitimate. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, they have to. Um, oh, what what was the recent uh, RCMP member just charged for for? Uh, Suggesting that uh, the the person that he was interviewing for was a uh, part of a uh, robbery or something like that. That was on New Shooter Canada. Did you did you hear that one? Nope. Marco Polo. No. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I so an RC, RCMP member was charged uh, for um, uh, basically uh, uh, claiming that this person that they were interviewing for was part of un, under investigation. Nothing. Oh Didn't yeah. That? Was that New Shooter Canada? Yes. And it, was it, um, I thought there was a lawsuit going on where somebody was, yeah, there was a woman in Nova Scotia who basically was being harassed because they were claiming she was part of a. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah, she, it was, there was a, a robbery that happened at the store that she worked at. Uh, while she was at work, it was robbed and they were, she, she was wrongly accused of, of being part of the, part of the robbery. Yeah, so long uh, story short, that's that's what they're busy with. So they're, they they can't do the paperwork, but they got to do that. How was the CFO's office possibly involved in that? Wasn't that the CFO's office that uh, no. interviewed? No. Oh, well, now I'm off into left field then. You're in timeout again. Go back to being quiet. <laughs> right, let's let's jump into our, let's bring try and classy up the joint a little bit with uh, an interview with Edward Osborne. So let's let's get into that. Joining us this week, we have Edward Osborne from TV Press Pass to talk about some of the recent uh, reversals of RCMP decisions when it comes to classifying firearms and and uh, all things new and exciting. Uh, welcome to Slamfire Radio, Edward. Hi, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Before we get going, Edward, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in reviewing firearms and uh, your background a little bit, and then uh, plug your blog and anything else you've got going on before we jump in and pick your brain. 
Yeah, sure thing. Um, so my bachelor's degree is in journalism, and I spent a bunch of time and money. Going Whoa, to you went that. to school? I know, right? Yeah, that's it. Cut him loose. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. Only uneducated bums allowed on here. <laughs> and see, I was told when I was going to school that really, you know, to do it right, I had to go out to sort of a backwater town and cover children's hockey and write for the local paper and, mm-hmm. and you know, spend 30 years doing this before I'd get a real job. And I said, yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to do that. Covering municipal government town meetings, stuff like that. Sure. I, I hate to say it, but I find that stuff boring. I would imagine. Um, yeah. So the other option is to carve out a niche. And I started looking around at the firearm stuff and I sort of had to start to get into it to start to understand what was going on with all this law stuff. And it was, um, I was just starting to get into it as uh, a couple of years when, when the conservatives were starting to do their thing. Right. And um, I realized that there was lots talked about in the US and not as much talked about in Canada. And so I started doing reviews and videos. Um, I bought a Tavor, which was the big thing for me because I bought it pretty much sight unseen. And nobody else in the United States had one at that point. And every review I could find online was airsoft. So I sort of gambled with this rifle, bought it, and then started talking about it with other people who are interested in it and from there I, I now cover all kinds of stuff um, I like to do three gun I occasionally get to help out the British Army for their military exercises in the summer um, and how, uh, gen- how? Uh, well no I, I, it's okay for me to talk about that um, so I was just gonna say oh this big, is a big blue building good. and uh, polar bear defense and uh, other Canadian specific topics well, so it's a civilian contract, and the idea is that you go in there, and so when I do that, I'm playing op for media. So I am the bad guy with a camera, if that makes sense. Um, and that's something I've just been doing for the last year or two, and it's a lot of fun, too. Um, and same way with that, I've been involved with the Israelis. We're doing some training courses over here now. Um, what else interesting am I doing? Oh, I did uh, a short podcast piece with uh, Kate from Ammo Supply. Um, that we're doing a little podcast together talking with her about ammunition, and that is Great Northern Firearms Radio. Okay, I think that's all my plugs that I can get away with without uh, without never being invited back again. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, no. We, want, we want all of our guests who are active to let the listeners know how they're active and where to find the content that they're putting out there. So as you said, you are filling a niche. You kind of started doing both at the same time, got into guns and got into blogging kind of at the same time, or... No. Did I misunderstand that? No, that's exactly it. I mean, I I worked in the firearms. You know, I was a trap kid when I was 12, that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. I started buying guns right around the time I started buying cameras. Okay. Now, um, this podcast you just mentioned, Canadian, what was it? Great Northern Firearms Radio. Great Northern Firearms Radio. So this, this is new? Incredibly tentative. Like, literally, we've recorded one episode. We have plans talking about another episode. Um, but I've done a bunch of stuff with Kate in the past. She sells a ton. Every time I go to the States, I end up spending probably $1,500 on ammunition just to shoot the events down there. So it makes sense for me to sort of buy in bulk from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally every time I'm in there, we end up talking for an hour or two. So from ammo supply? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's cool. So where can the listeners find this podcast? Uh, I believe it is greatnorthernfirearms.ca. Okay, so just go right to the website, and then are you on iTunes yet, that sort of thing? No, that was later this week, I think, is okay. the plan for that. I'm not, really ex- I'm not really sure I like the idea of you podcasting. Oh, 
Uh, I'm less threatened by your blog, but if you get into the podcasting scene, I'm not sure that we can... uh, We can't compete. I I thought we were doing crossovers. No, I think you're going to wake up with a horse's head in your bed, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's move on to uh, what you've been doing recently on your blog. Uh, You broke a couple of big stories here. Almost uh, in true journalistic fashion, you got the scoop, so to speak. Um, There's, of course, the Norinco Type 81 was finally classified. But uh, I think, more importantly, the Actel MK1919 reclassified from restricted to non-restricted. Now, I understand that you not only own one of these shotguns, you compete with it? Yeah, so the Actel MK1919 is a semi-automatic box magazine fed shotgun so it does look like an ar if you're standing at 300 yards and looking at somebody across a field you go oh that looks like an ar-15 but it's a (laughs) uh, yeah Yeah. um but it's a turkish build and it's in 12 gauge and it uses a piston system and it's there's nothing internally that is anything like an ar it's just got the similar ergonomics of it um, and when I bought it uh, two or three years ago, I had to have it imported through I Run Guns, and it was imported and classified as an AR-15 variant. And at the time, there had been a little bit of uh, Canada Ammo brought in a few of them, and the RCMP essentially said, well, we think if we put a lower on here, we might be able to get it to discharge one round from the trigger group. Um, and that was sort of the the justification, and everybody bought it for a long time. There were you know, years afterwards, I would be posting about, you know, um, I got some 10 round magazines to use in the United States. And we we're going through the process of pinning and unpinning. And somebody said, why is this restricted? And everybody jumps in and says, oh, well, if you put an AR lower on it or an AR upper on it, you can get it to fire once. And that's that's the that's the rule. That's the the standard that the RCMP uses to determine whether or not something's a variant. It was like that for a long time. In December, now, is that this, in fact true, Edward? Well, there can't be a standard. <laughs> No, I'm just wondering tr- if it's, in fact, I'm not wearing so much a standard. I'm wondering if it will actually function the way that the, this, oh, this urban legend claims. Because it sounds no, to I, me like an urban legend. I can't fit an AR upper on there. Okay. I, I can't fit an AR upper at all onto that lower. Um, and, and I have tried it because I was kind of curious when I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily a standard the RCMP uses. I've tried to ask them about that, but the firearms lab is not super great at answering questions. Unless um, you ask them about a Beowulf mag and then they're quick to cause panic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So now, yeah, isn't it ironic? I mean, that this thing was restricted for so long and then became non-restricted, but the Blaze 47 is still completely prohibited because it's wrapped in a plastic clamshell. Yeah, and 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 the blaze is oh, well, um, but it's kind of interesting what happened with the 1919 because it would have just sat for sure. It would have just sat as the restricted AR unless or until um, Odell brought in a, another Turkish gun that's very very similar, and this was the Daria MK10. Um, and if you look at the MK10 next to the uh, Akdal. The Octal looks like an old uh, M16A2, yeah. and the uh, the Daria looks like a modern AR. Like it's actually got a buffer tube on it, and it's got uh, um, an actual AR pistol grip and that kind of thing. Like some of those parts fit. My lower is all polymer, um, and so Odell brought in this Daria unit, and it was classified as non-restricted. 
and everybody kind of like everybody was like, "Oh, cool! It's a new shotgun that's non-restricted." And I sat there and I went, "Oh, that looks exactly like my shotgun. Like I can see the same components." And when you do the disassembly, I'm like, "There's there's no difference between the Octal and the Daria. The only difference is the manufacturer, right? It's the exact same as the difference between uh, you know a Bushmaster and a Colt." They're both versions of the AR. These were both versions of the same Turkish shotgun. And the idea that one of them was non-restricted and the other was restricted was really weird. So I made the decision not to make a big deal out of this. And I, I talked to a couple other people about this saying, you know, it's inconsistent. But if we if we bring it up, if we push it, if we start causing hell over this, the RCMP is going to look at it and say, oh, yeah, we should restrict that Daria. That's uh, what we all yeah. thought was going to happen. And, right? Yeah, we didn't want to be that guy, right? Because yeah, that's yeah. happened a couple of times in, in Canadian history. Like, we've had various guns uh, get pushed, right? If you're familiar with the, the Stens and the BD-38s, that was from somebody pushing the FRT lab. All those guns were banned after that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially when there's a track record of it happening. You want to be careful once bitten, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, but it didn't sit that way. And from what I understand, um, the real credit for this goes to John Hipwell, who runs Wolverine Supplies. Um, And from what I understand, John uh, pushed the RCMP lab and said, well, how can these match? How can the Actol be restricted as an AR and the Daria be non-restricted? And the RCMP had to go back in and say, you're right, these have to be... uh, reclassified and deregistered that's the thing Um, though they didn't have to they could have just said we you know we run this thing go away (laughs) yeah because you have no legal recourse you're really going to take them to court over one turkish shotgun well yeah it just it doesn't make any sense where uh one one year the rcmp is going after something and the next year they're like oh yeah you're right we goofed on that one here you can have it well and it, it is odd it's it's an odd move to make, um, and there, it's easy to to put the tinfoil hat on as to why they might do something like this. And and if you want to get into that, we can certainly get into that later. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting, so they went out and they reclassified all these guns. So the Uzcon BR99, which is the exact same, um, the Alpha Arms uh, 15SA, and the Actal 1919, they're all the same gun. And now they're all non-restricted. But... Um, if you go into uh, the firearms reference table, right, the firearms reference table has a section where it talks about the manufacturer and where it talks about uh, identifying markings and where it talks about um, uh, legal notes. And so in the legal notes, the MK1919 previously read restricted as an AR-15 variant. Um, and I know because after the Daria came in, I, I said, let's go check the FRT and see if mine has changed and hadn't changed for two months. When it did change, they changed it in a way that's really interesting. Um, so I'm going to read you a quote here because this is directly out of the the database. It says, "While the exter- it says, while the exterior of this model resembles the AR family in quotes, there is no direct lineage that this is exclusive to the AR15 M16 design." This model design could also easily be linked to the Armalite division of Fairchild Aircraft AR-10 design. So, yeah, we talked about that last week. I read that quote last week, and um, then we got off on the tangent. Does this mean the AR-10 could be next? Yeah, and and so there's a lot of question about that. Um, 
And I think it's possible. I, th I think it would be a unprecedented move for the AR-10 platform to become non-restricted. Um, but I can well, understand this was, why. This was, unprecedented. this was unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. For them to, to roll back something like that in, in the face of, you know, to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, though, I don't think we did that right. Yeah, and under a liberal step. government where nobody was pushing them to correct mistakes. I mean, it was the conservatives that made them give back the CZ and made them give back the Swiss Arms. Here, they gave they they rolled this back to non-restricted under liberals. I we should well, all buy lottery tickets. Yeah, exactly. It feels it feels extremely lucky, and there is a really good case to be made for the AR-10, right? If you look yeah. at the well, no, no, like actually, if you look at the list, right, there is um, a list of you know firearms that are restricted by name, and it's any AR 15 slash M16, and then it goes down a long list of guns, and none of them are chambered in 308. None of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so if you look at the history of it, right, the AR 10 was in existence well before the AR 15, right? The AR 10 was 1957, is that correct? Um, and was if you see the original prototype photos, it's got this weird can flash hider and the uh, charging handle up top of it that's like a hook-shaped charging handle. It's really, really distinctive. Um, and I think there is a real case for guns that can be traced back to that rifle that are not uh, that never never skipped into the M16 AR15 world that you could claim that those are non-restricted firearms. Absolutely, and they're. The just the quote that they say about how the exterior is similar, but the interior is different. I mean, the parts inside an AR-10 maybe uh, they're 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 scaled up AR-15 parts, so therefore they don't fit. Mm -hmm. so, and I have to wonder if there's a little bit of this also playing into the modern hunter that was classified last year, right? Um, if you read through the prototype report that uh, Alberta Tactical Rifle submitted to the RCMP, they claim a shared lineage between the original AR-10, the Knights SR-25, and something else of their own creation. Their argument was that it was a total hybrid, right? And the RCMP gave them a non-restricted FRT for it. I'm wondering if part of that has to do with the AR-10. It's possible. I mean, is this where we're starting to get into tinfoil hattery and start to wonder what caused this and what's coming next? Or did you have another point about that? Um, well, sure. If we want to, if we want to follow the, the tinfoil side of it, um, I mean, there, there are two ways to look at it. One, you can argue that the RCMP takes uh, an interpretation of the law that is as rigid as they can be with what's going on, right? So when something happens and they say, oh, you know what? You're right. That's wrong. They got to fix it. And when something happens like this, that even if it applies to a bunch of things, right, which is why they did the 858, right? The 858 clearly wasn't going to be converted anytime soon, but the argument is, well, it was off a converted receiver, and now we have to, you know, the whole line is in, in question, right? On the opposite side of it, when you have something like this, where the whole line is now in question of its relation to a restricted firearm, now they have to wipe it all clean. The tinfoil side of it is... Uh, it would make great headlines to say, oh my God, you can just buy them and carry them anywheres now. And we mm. clearly have to update, we clearly have to update our list of prohibited guns to include all these new modern deadly assault rifles. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm usually not a big conspiracy guy. I'm bigger on the side of uh, 
systemic ineptitude, <laughs> if that makes sense. I usually think it's just people sort of doing their jobs as best they can and not always doing them well. Well, if there was an agenda, Edward, that theory would certainly fit your uh, the agenda. I think that the test of it would be whether or not they uh, they unban the Blaze Forty Seven, because <laughs> if if the idea is they're they're going to unrestrict some firearms just so that they can add them to the list of of prohibs, mm-hmm. um, that one wouldn't uh, that wouldn't work for it because that Blaze Forty Seven is a twenty two, and I think a layperson looking at it would be like, yeah, that's a twenty two. So what's the big deal, right? So we'll see yes. if, that, if that one gets unrestricted based on the fact that it has absolutely nothing to do with an AK-47 other than some crappy plastic furniture that kind of makes it look like it, right? Mm, it could become the new meme for the uh, the 1022 looking in the regular wooden carbine stock and then directly below it, the 1022 in the ATI fiber force stock. And it says, you know, one of these is an, which one of these is an assault rifle? You've seen, I'm sure you've all seen uh-huh, that meme. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Well, the the blade the blaze forty seven would become the new uh, the new version of that. Um, you know, well, you mentioned um, the gentleman's name, and it's escaping me right now from Wolverine. Who John uh, Hip- John Hipwell? Jo- John Hipwell. John yeah. um, played a played a role in this because, and I mean, <laughs> you know, manufacturers get a lot done in this com- in this country more so than our pro gun organizations. Um, it's their bottom line that's affected. They have a, ve- uh, a vested interest in, you know, communicating with the RCMP, communicating with politicians, being, and and playing the uh, we contribute to the economy card. Nobody nobody's fighting for the blaze because, you know, who cares? Uh, it, it's just another twenty two. Um, there's not as much money probably to be made off of the blaze as there is off of these new cool tactical non-restricted black shotguns but i think if anybody was going to get the rever the decision on the 47 reverse the blaze 47 it would probably be an importer or or a dealer yeah i think that's absolutely true i i know uh the mossberg importer uh in canada is extremely irritated with the rcmp's decision right they look at it as a completely arbitrary like I'm sure that Mossberg in the United States just has no idea what to think of it, right? They look at it and like, what, what do they, what do they mean? We don't even make AKs. We don't make any sort of Kalashnikov. There's yeah. nothing in the catalog, but there it is. Yeah. No, it definitely. And anyway, that that's one that's completely random and arbitrary. So. Well, and I I find it interesting. I mean, if you talk to John, he has a very. Uh, tenuous relationship with the RCMP. And there are definitely times where he feels targeted as far as uh, their delay on the CZ-958, right? That the RCMP took a year and a bit to classify that rifle um, when it was very, very clear how that rifle came together compared to the CZ-858, right? Those were really clear A and B kind of thing, but it still took forever to work its way through the system. what else has he pushed their buttons on? There's a what, what about the things. pistol? What about the CZ858 pistol? Oh, Ooh, that was uh, that, that was, was me. That was you. Yeah. Uh, did John yeah. have something to do with that or no, that was you. You imported that, you sent that in and you got shafted on that. That was the first yeah. time we talked to you on 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 air. Yeah, yeah. Um and that that was all me, but I, I believe I was not the first person to do that either. I I would be very surprised if I was the first person to think that it would be a good idea to build a VZ58 pistol. Um, so I don't know who else has tried that and had a similar issue come up and maybe it hasn't made the headlines the way that I was willing to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I know the RCMP read the blog. I absolutely, uh, I can see their little tracking pixel kind of thing and says, oh yeah, that's definitely going to be an RCMP office. Um, they sent me a cease and desist letter once because I used their logo uh, when I was talking about the M2HB. Um, really? So, yeah, they, they said that I was not allowed to use uh, the RCMP uh, um, insignia. and The insignia actually... that we pay for with our tax dollars, that insignia? Yeah, apparently. They've got it copyrighted or something? Well, and I, I actually had to look this up because I went, wow, there's no way they've copyrighted it. Um, and what it turns out is there's this weird third option for uh, government-related symbols, right? That there are rules and regulations Not controlling an public for symbols. government. Say it ain't so. I know, heaven forbid, right? <laughs> so I know the RCMP read my stuff. Um, and I'm sure that there are various people who uh, do things that highlight things that they didn't want highlighted. I don't understand why we're listened to, you're read. Um, this is not where the gangbangers and the drug uh, lords and the um, weapon smugglers hang out. This is not their world. This is not the criminal element, but we're the ones that are being um, surveyed. <laughs> we're the ones who are public about it, right? That's that's what it comes down to is we're the ones who are publicly interested. So, yeah, so we're making ourselves easy targets. Yeah. Well, none of us poke the bear. And, and and put out videos that uh, that showcase you know um, what we're doing with with magazines and that kind of thing. Right? <laughs> I didn't write the law, Adriel. I make no apologies for that video. Just like some guy with a Tavor and a Beowulf mag. Look exactly. what that started. <laughs> well, and and my whole argument is, you know what? If it's legal, then we got to talk about it. Whether right. it's Why? correctly legal or wrongly wrongly legal, we got to talk about it because that's yep. the way it is, right? You yep. can't have this sort of pseudo, well, it's legal, but don't do it, or let's pretend it doesn't happen. I mean, that's silly. Yeah, I agree. Well, especially you. not not when you like competition like depends on it. Um, you know, if if we didn't have Lar and Beowulf mags, our three gun scene would be ridiculous. You'd have to run a chest rig or a, a huge. Uh, vest just to just to have enough mags to have a half decent uh, match. I mean, it would be ridiculous. So, w like, we need those, um, uh, you know, Beowulf mags to uh, to even compete. So, and we have to talk about it because otherwise, you get newbies coming in, uh, running like P uh, five round P mags, right? Yeah. Well, and it's it's tragic that so many guns are now not competitive because there aren't magazines available, right? If you you own a $3,000 Swiss Arms, but you're still going to get your clock cleaned by somebody with a $600 Norinco AR because they can buy the Beowulf mag. Mm -hmm. Yep, guys with Mini 14s, same thing. Exactly. I mean, even those guys with the SKSs with the uh, Fiber 4 stocks that have the detachable magazine. Mm, good for you. They're still loading them from the top of the stripper clip. I've seen it in a three-gun match. Yeah, yeah. yeah Speaking anyway. of the SKS. No. Do you want to move on to the Type 81? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the Type 81 is also really interesting. Um, so I have the good fortune to have access to the FRT, and I talk on a regular basis with a couple of people who have nothing better to do but to take a look through the FRT. Um, so when they're perusing the database every now and then, something interesting comes up and we talk about it, and then either I make a blog post out of it or it disappears. Um, and literally, oh, I'd say 12 hours after we noticed that the Octal had been reclassified, um, we noticed that the Type 81 had also been reclassified. Um, so essentially, the original Type 81 uh, FRT entry 
just listed it as Prohib as an AK variant. Um, and if you're not familiar with the Type 81, it's a Chinese-made, uh, it was their issued rifle in the 80s, and it is it is very similar to an AK, but it actually uses a completely different bolt assembly, um, and pretty different sights, and pretty different barrel, and pretty different uh, furniture. But the key thing is that it uses the bolt assembly essentially out of an SKS, so it's a short-stroke piston rather than a long-stroke piston. I knew so, there was something about it I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something that gives you that slightly. Well, it looks like an interesting rifle, but there's also something a little bit. Uh, SKS like about I hate. It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not an SKS fan myself, but they are very popular. This yeah, also true. has the potential to be very popular. Um, and and so because because that whole thing is different, right? Somewhere along the line, somebody pushed them and they classified it. Um, Do we know who? Because this well, seemed to come out of left field. Yeah, so from what I understand, uh, Tactical Imports submitted a new Type 81 to the RCMP within, uh, I want to say 2013, so three years ago, um, and that the original Type 81 entry was made, you know, sort of in the early 2000s. Um, so when the RCMP looked at it a second time, they said, you know, this really isn't, and it took them three years to decide that it wasn't an AK, but... At the end of the day, they decided it wasn't an AK, and that's that's really significant, right? That's a huge shift. Um, and they updated the existing FRT. So they didn't list a new gun. They said the one that was there actually is not an AK variant. It is, uh, well, it's restricted. The version that they looked at was a 16.8-inch barrel or something like that, um, but not an AK. So now this has opened the floodgates. Um, and firearms out of China... I'm not an expert by any means, um, but there's this weird uh, sort of three-way layer that happens. So you have the guys who are actually making the guns, and then you have the exporters who are marketing the guns, and then you have the guys in Canada who are bringing them in. So sometimes that's like an individual importer. Sometimes that's somebody much larger like North Silva, um, who's a distributor and then ships them out to all the gun stores around. So there's sort of this... Uh, gold rush going on right right now of people trying to secure as many of these rifles as they can from wherever they can um so we'll I see hope, who gets sorry go ahead i hope we don't have a repeat of the t97 yeah exactly they, they grab a bunch randomly at the border and go oh wait a second and then we lose them all again so and there is there is some of that risk for sure um because i mean because I end up talking with the Americans all the time, I always thought Norinco and Polytech were the same, right? I always thought of it as Norinco slash Polytech. I think was most the, of us do, yeah. Yeah, that's actually, that's not the case. Norinco is a distinct company and Polytech is a distinct company. Um, and they are both exporters and they sometimes export from the same factories or the same firearm made in different factories. So that's where you get into, like right now, there's the Type 97 NSR from North Silva and then the Type 97 that Canada Ammo was trying to bring in, and I still don't think they've got that. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah we don't have still, any yet. Yeah, we're still waiting on that one. So um, this is, sorry, let me ask a question then. This is why we see some M305s, uh, Polytech M305, and then Norinco M305. Exactly, and it's the same reason that you see uh, Grizzly shotguns and Dominion shotguns, right? And the, it's my understanding that the Dominion line is built specifically for Canada Ammo. Yes, that's correct. Anything um, with Dominion was made for them, but yes. it's made by the Polytech people or the Norinco people. 
Yeah, and I don't know. Once you once you get on the other side of the Pacific, I don't know who's making what necessarily. Yeah. But I understand it's fairly loose. Um, so the word the word that I've heard is that uh, Tactical Imports has a line on Polytech guns and is hoping to have them in soon because they, it, that's what has been classified. The FRT applies to the Polytech gun. Um, Canada Ammo is hoping to bring in a Norinco rifle. And that might need its own classification. And apparently Canada Ammo has some sort of connection with a factory that produces the light machine gun version of the Type 81, uh, which would be good because it would mean that um, all you would need was a semi-auto receiver and you would be non-restricted out of the box. The uh, light machine gun version of the Type 81 is over the 18-inch barrel. I think it's a 19-and-a-half-inch barrel, something like that. Um, whereas the factory Polytech guns are going to be restricted until they can find the right barrel length for them. Interesting. I'd rather get the one that's already coming with the 19-inch barrel because well, they may pump out the cheapest barrel they can as quickly as they can just to flood the market with these things and then junk. Well, And we'll have to see. I mean, I don't spend a whole lot of time uh, with Chinese rifles. Like my, my time with the Type 97 was pretty limited, so I haven't looked at them and seen what they look like after 6,000 rounds. But I can mm. guarantee you some of these Type 81s are going to see crates and crates of corrosive 762 by 39 So I think we're going to see some really interesting wear information from these over time. And do you want to go ahead before we wrap this up and speculate as to what the MSRP is going to be? Took the words right out of mouth. That's what I was thinking about. Oh, and see, that's such a deadly point. Um, I think we could run anywhere from eight hundred dollars to fifteen hundred dollars, depending on what it is and what the Canadian dollar is doing. I mean, mm. it kills me that everything that we buy is bought with U.S. dollars. Even when we're buying it from China, even when we're buying it from Czech Republic, it's all U.S. dollars. Yeah, global currency. Uh, yeah, I think I think it'll have to come in a little bit cheaper because the um, uh, the CZ eight five eight is what's what's it going for right now? Nine hundred bucks, thousand bucks, somewhere around there. Yeah, the CZ is now as much as the VZ. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very very close, um, and I think that there is going to be a lot of comparison between those two rifles. I think that the Type eighty one has the edge right now because it's new and it's sexy and it might take some AK furniture. Um, but I think that we'll find the VZ-58 isn't going anywhere. So it's certainly not going to be replaced by this. No way. No, no. <laughs> the only thing that that the Type 81 has going for it over the AK, as far as I can tell, is that with the um, actual Type 81 mag, you get last shot bolt hole open. Yes. Which yeah. is, I mean, you get that with the CZ anyways, though, right? Yeah, I'm comparing it to yeah. the AK, though. Well, and the, yeah. the problem is going to be... I guarantee you people are going to buy the Type 81 and then start using AK mags with it. Of course, Everybody wants even I have an AK mag. Exactly, right? Um, so then you're going to lose that bolt hold open feature unless you want to buy the proprietary mags, and I, I yeah. shudder to think what they might cost. Exactly. Yeah, you'd have to get... Um, no, I was going to say you'd have to get aftermarket, but there's lots of aftermarket AK mag, but it would be the same thing. It would work there's, like an There's got to be some way to modify either the mag or the gun to make it work. Yeah, it's got to be the follower, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I'll mm. Spend half an hour with a uh, a Magpul P Mag, cut it up, do some JB welding, and I'll bet you you could make the bolt hold open work again. Sure. <laughs> if only we knew a company that manufactures magazines. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, the other thing that, that, I don't know, might be a disadvantage to the, the 81 is that uh, it won't take a, like, how are you supposed to mount a scope on it? They're, 
there's stuff out there for the AK. There's stuff out there for the CZ. Is like, well, if it's as accurate as an AK, who needs a scope? <laughs> Red dot. I don't know something. <laughs> yeah. Anything else, gentlemen? Before we wrap up with Mr. Osborne. No, I just want to say thanks for coming on and uh, talking with us about this. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, actually, if you're concerned about the podcast thing, don't worry about knocking that out. I will not be offended. Okay. Uh, We will cut that out in an effort to not promote your future podcast. And I don't edit. Yeah. 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 And uh, we didn't need your permission to cut it anyway, but thanks for being a sport. Cool. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure is all ours, and uh, we don't have you on often enough, so uh, break some other important news story that uh, Canadians care about, and we'll get you back on. Yeah, I'll see if I can't find the RCMP and get them to leak a few more emails, eh? Ah, boy, perfect. <laughs> all right, uh, one more time. Where's the blog at? Where can they find you? Uh, tv-presspass.com. And YouTube channel? Uh, also, TV Press Pass. Awesome. And no podcast, right? never never perfect all right stay in your neck of the woods and we'll stay in ours perfect all right thank you very much edward all right see you guys so again thanks to edward osborne from tv press pass for slumming it coming on and uh and hanging out with us tonight threatening us with a podcast that was a good time and uh yeah so if you haven't uh, gone over there and checked out the TV test TV test pass. No, yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah, sure. It'll be check, fine. Look it check, up. See what happens. Check out TV press passes blog. Um, he definitely is on top of things. He's uh, yeah. These are two big things. Like he's always bringing things forward, but these these were pretty major things. So appreciate him taking the time to uh, to come on and talk with us. So, gentlemen, are we ready for some listener feedback? Yeah, let's do yeah. this. All right. This first one comes to us from Kelly, and I think it's addressed to Matthew mostly, so I'm going to let him read it. Hi, guys. Was listening to the latest episode. Had to make a couple of comments to help you all out. Matthew, have a listen to New Shooter Canada episode 63, Winter Shooting. We were talking about bringing your rifle in and being aware of condensation and other things to consider for winter shooting. If you need help with locating the episode, I have posted it below for your quick reference. If you have any questions, we're happy to answer them for you. She knows how lazy you are. She's like, I know you won't go look for it, so here's the link. Uh, (laughs) Here at New Shooter Canada, we are here to help with educating the new shooter. Well, that's basically it. I I need help. As much help as I can possibly get. Uh, Good job on beginning your handgun tips. Thorough explanation and tips. One tip I would have for your listeners, don't buy a Beretta PX4 as your first handgun and don't use it in an IPSC match. (laughs) I uh, love my second handgun, a Glock 17. Uh, for your information, it's all Trevor's fault that I crossed over to the dark side. Okay, I have to ask, where are the pictures of Jason Gallen in the red onesie pajamas, waiting with bated breath to see these photos posted on Facebook soon? Trevor, a word of warning, if you keep mentioning Thomas on the episodes, he's going to start thinking that you're reciprocating the bromance. Slamfire is his favorite podcast, don't you know? And finally, if you ever need a last-minute replacement co-host, give me a holler. I'd be happy to sit in Matthew's seat, keep you guys in line, but also keep it classy. Cheers. He only wants to replace you. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He's gunning for your job. That's all right. I'd be happy to replace Matthew. Trevor and Adriel can stay, though. She <laughs> wants to record with us, but not you. That's... Yep, I, I get you, Kelly. Mm. No worries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's from Kelly, and uh, thank you very much for writing in. Mm, not. Good night, Kelly. <laughs> Adriel, 
There's a lot of big words in this one and some funny names I can't pronounce, so that means it's all yours. All right, I get to mispronounce them then. From Gonzalo? Gonzalo? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, Gentlemen, I really like your show, and I've been listening to it for the past 100 or so episodes. I'd like to interrogate your brilliant minds on a few issues regarding firearms, if that's okay with you, fine gentlemen. It's not. Uh, Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm just wondering if he has the right show. He keeps calling us gentlemen. Yeah, he might have emailed the wrong people, but uh, let's just pretend he emailed us. Sure. Last year, I bought a Boyd stock for my Savage Model 11 in 7mm Mod 8, Remington. In order to install the new stock, I need the plastic floor plate number 13 in the Savage Part Finder Exploded View that finds the magazine that comes in the rifle, the one that has the plastic catch, as well as the front and rear nuts, pillars, numbers 546 and 13F in the part finder. I contacted Savage and they told me they were not able to send the parts to Canada and that I should contact Gretsch Outdoors in Ontario, their distributor this side of the border. I talked to them, placed the order, I've been waiting for the parts since June 2015. Every time I talk to him, there's a new and elusive excuse regarding the delay. I'm getting a little bit frustrated uh, with this. Do you know any other place? Western Gun Parts in Edmonton. Uh, There's the short answer to your question. Do you guys have any other suggestions? I do not. That was mine. Western Gun Parts. I'm lucky enough that they're a five-minute drive away from my place, and uh, they've got everything, and they're pretty quick about things as long as i mean it sounds like um uh, gonzalo's got all of the uh, all of the part numbers so if you've got all the part numbers they're good the service will be quick and it'll be out to you uh the second question he has here i'm looking to buy a new pistol as my wife decided to expropriate my stair l9 for the course Steyer. at St. yeah stire my uh, wife decided to expropriate expro- yeah no no try it again try it. no oh, geez, when man. you're done having your stroke c- carry on here you we go. Smell burnt toast. <laughs> my Steyr L9 for the course at St. Paul. I'm 98.7% decided on an FN, FNS 9L as Trevor spoke so highly of it. Well, you're going to have to buy it before I buy it. Hopefully, hopefully you don't uh, get uh, 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 or hopefully you get one of them from the Calgary Shooting Center before I do because uh, I'm going Just for one tonight. Make sure neither of you are communists. Tell Jeffrey if I sent you. <laughs> <laughs> just call up and say, I'd like to make a non-communist purchase, and they'll immediately put Jeff on the phone. <laughs> if, if there's a notes section on their e-commerce engine, I'll do that. It, there is, uh, and um, the guy at the internet orders desk was came out front, and he's like, guys, why are we getting orders and people saying they're not communists? What's, what am I missing here? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. Podcasting in action. Is oh. it worth paying the – oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, my, when my FN came in? There was a 458 SOCOM round in the box and a uh, Elkan Spectre hat. Just saying. Mm. Mm. Sweet. Uh, is it worth paying the extra $100 for the blued version? I live well, in let's Edmonton, go faster out of the blued ones, right? And I plan to buy it from P&D where they have them for 615 and 715 stainless and blued, respectively. Huh. So the stainless one's cheaper? It is. Huh. Oh, I because guess so. the blued one isn't really blued, it's... Coated stainless. Uh, yeah, it's coated stainless. I forget. It's like nitrile something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, does this difference in price reflect only a cosmetic matter, or is there yes. something more there? No, no, no. The bullets go faster out of the blued one, I'm telling you. It's not true. It's it's. I You heard it on the internet. It's got to be true. <laughs> and where can I buy a holster for it? I've been looking, and they seem hard to find. Yeah, well, 
I think we're we're all <laughs> not. Not only is Gonzalo in Edmonton, the same city as me, he's trying to do the same thing I am, which is buy the FN, FNS <laughs> nine long slot. So let's let's point him to somewhere else, <laughs> so that you can get it instead of him. Yeah, no, try uh, uh, Cabela's. I think they carry them. <laughs> yeah, Cabela's and Wholesale Sports, and uh, yeah, that's about it. And. Uh, yeah, see, so he goes on here. Thanks for the weekly dose of entertainment, information, and teaching. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to shake your hands in St. Paul. Cheers, Gonzalo. Uh, P.S. I'm not sure if this is allowed or not, as this is not an iTunes review, but I'd like to give the show four thumbs up. Two from me and two from my spousal unit. We took them. They're in the, they're in the count. We'll take them. So, yes, you're allowed. Yeah. And that's from Gonzalo Vilas. C. Non Confectus Non Reficat. No, that he spelled Reficat wrong. That means don't eat cats. It's Sinon Confectus Non Reficiat, and it's Latin. For don't eat a cat? Correct. Do not eat cats. <laughs> Excellent. It's uh, it's actually, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but it's not really. It's more like, if it's if it's not worn out, don't replace or something, literally. But yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, is what he's trying to say, I think. Except that you misspelled it. Where where were you in Latin class, Gonzalo? Come on, man. Misspelling your Latin words. It's terrible. Well, this podcast is broken. Let's <laughs> So let's fix it. We're yeah. worn out and we need replacing. So if you'd like to email us some suggestions on how to fix this train wreck, you could do so by sending an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Do we have any like Adriel, you had one job. iTunes reviews. He, he's looking now. I did. Mm. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So no, I, there could be a hundred there, but Adriel didn't check, so we'll never know. Um, now I just got a message back from David Copping. So all of you that are wondering where to get your FN FNS holsters, um, he says to check out Robert King at Red Hill Tactical. Excellent. Alrighty then. Uh, I don't know. That's all I got. So Google it, Irene. Any shout-outs um, other than the ones I have? Does any of you guys want to add? No, I'm good this week. All right. So shout-out to Andy Shan again. Uh, he's going to be putting me up for the spring bang, which is... You mean putting up with you. Same thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you're not invited. Uh, to the, Perfect. <laughs> I get a text, and he says, Is snuff coming? Snuff. <laughs> Snuff who? And the next text is dot 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 Alufagus. <laughs> so I guess I guess John Allen's nickname of Snuffleupagus is is definitely sticking. And I like Snuff for short because it has other horrible implications that a teacher doesn't want to be associated with. So Snuff it is. Um, <laughs> Andy's going to be putting me up for Spring Bang, which is a two day shoot that takes place at the Atlantic Marksman Marksman or Marksmanship Association, the EMA range. In Halifax, I went there a couple of years ago. The first match I ever shot, actually, with my STI Eagle and with two eyes open, was at that match, and uh, it's a heck of a lot of fun. Two stories of happy time, Ipsic indoor goodness. Uh, that'll be taking place last weekend in the March break, so I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope to have one or both of my ten full wheel limited customs by then. Next shadow is to Christian W for buying not one but two FNS pistols this week. You're the man. Good for you. 
and uh, Luke from Bang My Switch Boutique for uh, making another run to uh, Green Diamond for me. Luke never comes up north without bringing me something from somewhere. It's like we've got our own underground railroad or something. So, um, there were no shoutouts, gentlemen. I'd like to shout out Adriel for getting the iTunes reviews for, for getting the iTunes reviews oh, and for dropping an f bomb. Yeah, and for dropping an f bomb. <laughs> you, you listeners won't be privy to that, but um, yeah, Adriel he classed up the joint this week. And if you uh, if you want your own, just call me on Skype, and I'll I'll be happy to <laughs> swear at you and throw cats at you if I see you on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a good good. It's not even an outtake, unfortunately. It, it's too horrible for that. It's you know, it's, a, it's well, I'll leave it to your imagination. What happened? Yeah, yeah. Yep. that's really the best way. And well, and Edward also had a little slip. It's a little yeah. slippy poo. See, I wasn't going to mention him because you know we respect oh, the, the the guests and whatnot. But not, not Trevor. He's, he's like, like nope. family now. It's all good. Yeah. He's been on don't, here more than once. So don't podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. When did I become the one with the not filthy mouth? I don't understand. Weird. Yeah. Of course, filthy just perked up. Huh? There's, filthy? Huh? 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 My name? Is that what? somebody? Where? <laughs> Hello. What did I do? Fred. Where's my helmet? Rickers Red. <laughs> what? Fred, Esquire, get me a Rickers oh, Red. Right. His and my helmet. Yeah. Give me, me a beard helmet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So please. Join one of our national firearms associations, such as the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights or the Canadian Shooting Sports Association or the um, Canadian Shooting Federation. They're a sponsor of um, the charity shoot, which is really cool. They've come on board as well. So they're a little-known association because they're not political at all. They're definitely, like, they're involved in in, uh, club insurance and Olympic-level coaching and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it's important to support those people who support us. Uh, my Canadian Firearms Journal came in the mail today, and without being opened, it went to the trash. Check out the Canadian Gun Owners, uh, Canadian GOC, Canadian or No, gun try try Canada. try starting with the G word first instead of the Canadian. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dyslexia, tired French dyslexic is what happens. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, Gun Owners of Canada. There you go, nailed it. Yeah, and like us on Facebook, we're up to one thousand three hundred sixty-three, eighty-seven thumbs up. Five gold stars and counting. Where did our flukes go? I don't even know. We got two flukes, man. Sure we do. I don't, don't believe it. Don't disrespect Spencer like that. Spencer, I, you need to write in and explain the flukes. I, I think it was just a fluke. Mm, it was two <laughs> flukes. All right. Say goodnight, Adriel. Goodnight, Adriel. Goodnight, Adriel. Goodnight, Kelly. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Joining us this week, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not editing. Carry on. No, he's joining <laughs> us this week, though. <laughs> All right, here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go. Hello and welcome. I don't really see the point of that. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it! I'm so proud, yet I hate you so much. (laughs) They're both equally. Oh, it's so conflicting. I'm proud of you, but I won't stab you. Once again, are you gonna go? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna tell you to go to. (laughs) 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 (laughs)